As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to a uh, week three edition of Football and Grits. I am your host, David Ubbin, here, uh, uh, joined as always by Brody Miller. Brody, we're going to have a, a guest join us here in a second. Um, but another week of trying to figure out who these teams are in the SEC. Today we're going to look at some stock watches. Uh, I, I feel bad. I feel like I should be wearing a visor and be holding pieces of slips of paper. I don't know much about trading. Just crunching numbers. Yeah, just, just doing you know, charts. A lot of, I just know buy, buy low, sell high, but I don't know what the papers are they're actually holding, but I feel like I should be holding them. And maybe they don't you. know. Maybe they. that's like the whole thing, you know? That would explain Nobody a lot. It's provocative. That would explain yeah, a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it's going to be a very, uh, we're going to call it a capitalistic day across the football and grits universe. <laughs> that's, that's us, man. You uh, but thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, the live shows have been really fun. Uh we're going to be doing it every week, so join us here at 10 a.m. Um, but let's get right to it, Brody. We have a special guest joining us today. Uh, our Florida Gators writer, G. Allen Taylor. Allen, welcome to the show. Uh, hey. We have a lot of questions for you, um, as I'm sure Florida <laughs> fans have for their team, which because it seems increasingly uh, difficult to explain. Um, so... I, I guess we should start here, um, Alan. Is is for me? What do we make of Anthony Richardson? You've watched him more closely than either of us. The first game, you have the Cam Newton Vince Young talk. Uh, not to call anyone out specifically, uh, but but after the <laughs> Kentucky game, they had a, a defensive back that called him out in a tweet. I believe the term he used was uh, "hot dog water," which is not a compliment if you've ever <laughs> tasted hot dog. It's water. creative, though. I love it. It was creative. I appreciated it. Um, it was better than just like a, a trash can emoji or something <laughs> yeah. like that. I think that's time, a new white cloth flavor, isn't it? Hot dog water, <laughs> probably. <laughs> At the time, it kind of felt like, well, maybe it's sour grapes. He just played poorly, but he's got two bad games in a row now. And I do think I do put a lot of stock in opinions of players and coaches that study these guys. That's their whole job. They're on the field with these guys. So that does kind of matter. And we're still waiting on Anthony Richardson's first touchdown pass, uh, Alan. So of the season anyway. Uh, So when you sit there and you are looking at Anthony Richardson, what do we make of him big picture? What, what, where, where is the reality 
of what he is because we've seen the talent that everybody was screaming about. Mm-hmm. And the last couple of weeks, we've kind of seen why Dan Mullen was so gun shy with him. Yeah. Uh, whether you think Dan Mullen is an idiot or a genius varies from every possession that you see of Anthony. And, and part of the reason he didn't win the job last year outright was that Dan didn't feel like he could run the whole offense with him, felt like his mistakes were the catastrophic kind, not just the whoopsie, I understand why you made that. And so, you know, that that was the reluctance for last year. This year, when he can run, when he can get outside, when he can leverage that athletic ability, it makes him a different player. I, I, I use the pickup game analogy, you know. Some guys in half court, the old men's game is 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 – they're, they're pretty good. But then you get a young buck in there at lunch and wants to go 94 feet, and suddenly it's a different ball game. Anthony has got to be unleashed. He's got to be running. He's got to be in space and making plays happen. And for some reason in the last two weeks, whether there's an injury they're concealing or whether he's just trying to, to do more from the pocket to try to be that, that, that quarterback that's a pass-first guy, whatever the reason is, he's not running as much. There are not as many design runs. And as we've seen, he's not ready to handle the third and sevens, the third and tens. And in some cases, he's not ready to handle a first and ten with a wide open dude. He's just his throwing mechanics aren't crisp. Uh, Shea Matthews, the Gator legend here, has never thought that he's going to be a great thrower accuracy wise. He thinks he still might be a first round pick. But but all that the last two weeks has sort of come out to where you know you leave a spy, you leverage an extra guy on the edge, and suddenly. He's very – I don't even say average because his passing the last two weeks has been sub-average. And, and Under 50%. Yeah, yeah. It's really been a struggle the last two weeks. And, uh, you know, he's got four interceptions on the year, no touchdowns. Had two more interceptions dropped, one by Utah and one by Kentucky at the end in a, in a pressure-type situation. So, you know, I don't know what we're going to see in Tennessee, man. If it's the week one Anthony again and they run him 15 times, then, you know, there might be something there. If it's the guy who's standing in the pocket right now and he's a, a second or two late on most of his reads, then, you know, it could get ugly. I mean, have how you got any? Is, yeah. How much of it is game plan? Like, was Utah's game plan for him uniquely bad in that they just let him get outside the pocket, lost contain? It seems like Kyle Whittingham would be better than that and would be able to rein him in, especially after he was killing them all game and they just could never do it. But then you've seen UC at USF, you've seen Kentucky really limit his legs. How much of it is game plan versus sort of self-inflicted stuff? Well, Kentucky had better athletes on defense, and they were a tougher defensive team than Utah, uh, just, just flat out. But their plan was also different. You know, They had guys that would rush off the left tackle and would just stop and circle back to the middle, and suddenly a third and seven draw – there's an edge defender waiting for Anthony in the middle. Uh, USF, you know, you take away just two mind-numbing throws from from Anthony, and, you know, Florida probably wins that game by 14 or 17, which even then probably isn't something we would call a good showing, right? I mean, they were favored by 24. USF may not be 24 points worse than Florida, but they're also not – they also shouldn't have the ball trying to take the lead at the end. Um, Mm -hmm. But those two mistakes he's making, man, they're, they're the ones that, you know, you don't come back from. They've led to 14 points directly for Kentucky and, uh, you know, led to seven for USF and, and could have been worse because it took points off the board for Florida. So so I've got a sense that maybe he got hit in the ankle early in the Kentucky game and it uh, made him a little more reluctant to take off. But 
from what we've seen from him, you know, Anthony Richardson at 90, 90% is usually pretty good. And we're just not seeing him, uh, you know, push off and, and, and take off like he can do. Yeah. Have you gotten any sense from Billy Napier about like whether they might unleash him more going forward or, or any kind of answer on the reasoning behind it all? We haven't because they're running a uh, an offense very similar to what we saw in the four years at the Sun Belt. I mean, a lot of twelve personnel, a lot of quarterback uh, boots and uh, and rollouts and moving the pocket, which is fine for Anthony. That's that's perfect for him. He he doesn't need to be a statue back there. Um, so I'm not sure what what the situation is going on. Again, he did take a blow to that leg early in the Kentucky game, but he's not been you know visibly hobbling. He just when there's been space before that he would exploit, suddenly he's not exploiting it or he's going into it very timidly, which is not his game. I mean, this is the guy that jumps over defenders, that pulls away from the secondary. And right now, you know, <laughs> on a couple of runs last week, he looked more Kyle Trask-like than, uh, than he did like Anthony Richardson. Mm-hmm. Now, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, I'm fascinated also, and if you want to stay on Anthony Richardson, we can, David, but I'm fascinated (laughs) by the defense as well, like, because, you know, I came away from that Kentucky game genuinely impressed with the defense. Like, this is a defense that is way better than I thought it would be going into the year. And then, you know, Saturday, and I I try to always tame my reaction to, like, a game against a lesser opponent because, yeah, you're not playing the same way. You're not preparing the same, but... They seem to get fooled a lot, the misdirection stuff. I don't know, some of that option stuff. They're having trouble on the perimeter. What do you make of them going into this Tennessee game that is going to challenge them on the perimeter, that is going to be up-tempo, all that? Do you think that's a just a different challenge than Utah and Kentucky? I think they still fall victim to good week, bad week syndrome. You know, um, The offense especially left Utah feeling like they were ready to take a next step, and then obviously they regressed. The defense really struggled against Utah – uh, pulled it out because of a Cam Rising mistake in the red zone and then played really well against Kentucky. But that's two straight years. They have really clamped down Kentucky and, and managed to lose the game regardless. Uh, what happened Saturday against USF, I think, goes back to this whole culture thing. Because when we talk about how long it takes to change a culture, usually that, there's that year, right, of offseason, of buy-in, of doing what the coaches tell you. And I think part of that, it's not just showing up for meetings on time. It's doing what your coach to do on the field. And obviously uh, if, if I had a nickel for every time uh, Billy Napier uses the term, I discipline, I mean, I'd be retiring guys. I mean, yeah. you, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be somewhere tro- more tropical than Florida even. And, and he uses that because that's where they get caught. You know, there was a fourth and one situation where USF decided not to block the two dudes on the left end because they knew they were going to take themselves out of the play crashing down. And it went for like a 40 yard option pitch. Uh, kudos to Travis Trickett for that call. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit of that. They're really young on the defensive front. They get out of their gaps. Um, they've got some talent there, but but uh, at one point you had uh, two true freshmen playing on the defensive line. And really when you get past Javon Dexter, who's still in a prove-it mode. I mean, it's his third year, but he's still a raw guy who's got to prove it. They, they, get, they get shoved around. They get manipulated. So, so big picture – what is this Florida team after the Utah win? You know, there's a lot of talk again, not from anyone specifically necessarily <laughs> about nine or 10 wins. The upside of this team seem to be really high. I still think Utah is really good. It's still a really good win, but now we've seen them kind of come to earth. Uh, and, and Kentucky's a good win. There's mathematically, they're still in a decent shape, but what is this Florida team? Big picture. 
Yeah, we kept hitting on this this range of the floor was maybe five wins and the ceiling was seven or eight coming in because I really didn't think they had enough depth. And and the injuries really outside of Ventrell Miller, uh, the the Mike linebacker really haven't hit yet because you, you three weeks in, um, they could be in a real uh, painful situation if they were to lose an offense, another offensive lineman or or defensive tackle type of player or starter because there's just not a lot of depth there. And that inevitably that always happens, you know, by week five, six or seven. So, so that's coming. Uh, and then the other big factor of course was, is Anthony Richardson really a first round talent like some of the scouts think he is, or is he going to need a year as a starter? And then maybe his, his, uh, you know, year of reliability and production is really 2023 because as we've seen now, you know, he's two and two as a starter. Let's, let's, retreat to that baseline right not a lot of snaps there and the the decisions he's making that are costing his team aren't ones that you're comfortable with your quarterback making and and he knows it and he takes ownership of it but from from pass to pass you know fans are living and dying with whether this one's going to hit a linebacker right in the face or whether he's going to make a great play and that's that's not the level of uh of certainty you know offensive coordinators and coaches like to operate with yeah, the combination the last couple of weeks of staring down receivers and then throwing in an accurate ball to a guy that's covered and missing reads, you're missing. He's missing open guys. That's just true. He does. It's clear he's not seeing the field well right now. And some of that comes with experience. Some of that comes with that's that's who you are. I think that stuff you can change. Accuracy. I've never been a huge believer that a guy can change accuracy. I don't know that we've seen enough from him to know definitively how accurate he is or isn't. I think the tools will will entice NFL teams forever, no matter what his production looks like. Uh, but certainly for Florida's sake, you got to uh, you got to improve there. A big one this week. Um, I, I, Florida, you know, we, we've been talking about it here that they've been a little unpredictable this season. I think some of the, the the Florida reaction coming off of last week is, you know, I don't know that that's the Florida team that's going to be coming to Neyland this mm-hmm. weekend. Tennessee fans are nervous because of the way that this, this rivalry has gone. I think Florida fans think they're going to get smacked around. I'm not so sure. We'll see. What do you make of, of what we're going to see? Um, you know, this weekend when uh, not only college game day coming to your city, but uh, Alan Taylor coming to your city this weekend. <laughs> oh man, I, I uh, you know just sold a house in Chattanooga about a year and a half ago, so I feel like I'm still <laughs> sort of inter interstate commerce here. Um, you know, I understand this this years this, this reservoir of of uh, anxiety that Tennessee fans are going through when things have gone wrong because they've had some better teams in Florida during this stretch and it hasn't always panned out. You know, sometimes you, you get beat on the sideline route on fourth and forever. And sometimes you get beat on a, a Hail Mary, right? I mean, things, things go wrong. Um, I think Florida will be more focused and will play with more energy uh, than they did last week, but they're also seeing an offense that uh, for everything, you know, Brian Batie and Jerry Bohannon did for USF last week. That's still a, a school that came in losing something like 23 out of 24 against the FBS. Uh, Tennessee, since that really poor showing in the swamp last year, has just done a 180 and won more than anybody thought they would. Man, it's it's going to be tough. It, it all depends on Richardson, man. It, it comes down to, to turnovers. If he plays a, a turnover-free game or only has one that doesn't, 
you know, sort of become a live ball turnover that leads to points. I think Florida may have a chance, but uh, but I also think they're going to have to get in the 30s, maybe even the 40s to do it. And so far, that offense hasn't been. Yeah, I don't know that. The, I don't know that they're going to be able to score enough, e- even in their best world. I don't think the defense is going to be able to slow down down. Slow them down enough, and I think you mentioned it: the gap integrity, some of the other stuff, the eye discipline, all that stuff in the running game. This offense that, that that Tennessee has, this Baylor scheme, people love the bombs and the downfield stuff, but it lives off the running game. And if if Jabari Small and Jalen Wright and those guys are getting six, seven, eight yards a clip, which they might be able to against this uh, this sure. front, because what Tennessee is going to do in the running game is similar but different to what Utah is going to do. They still want to be physical, but the schematics are completely, completely different. So I'm I'm very intrigued to see what um what what they can do and, and i still i i kind of lean on i i get all the the florida voodoo and all that stuff but on paper if you play this game in a vacuum i do think tennessee should win this game rather definitively but i was not a believer in the florida uh tennessee sort of uh curse but man having watched that game Tennessee, for whatever reason, ends up every year, it seems like, at least since I've been here, playing one of their worst games of the year against Florida. And Florida, like especially, I mean, last year, you know, if you played that game again in December, Tennessee wins that game by like four touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Um, And and it's just amazing to me, uh, this rivalry. But uh, these games aren't played on paper. Alan, we're going to do some stock watch. Um <laughs> For the rest of the SEC, would you like to join us for Florida, Tennessee to kick us off uh, of this discussion of every team in the league? Sure, man. Sure. All right. Well, we'll start with the the guys you know best, Florida. If Florida was a stock, Al, right now for the 2022 season, are you buying, are you selling, or are you holding? Holding at best, and I am very tempted to sell. Um, <laughs> the, beat ro- not- the beat writer never wants yeah. to be the one just on the record being like, that's terrible. Well, I, you know, the only reason to to not sell is you think at some point the price is going to tick up and yeah. they're two and one now. And I think they're going to be flirting with 500 the whole year. So, you know, uh, depending on where I bought, uh, I, I might be tempted <laughs> to sell if I can shave off a little profit, right? No, as I was going to say, David and I, I wanted to have a conversation because I noticed when I was looking at our, our, our list, it's like, I'm, I feel like I was doing buy or sell and all that based on like just them in the big picture. And I'm realizing like, I feel like your list is a little more like profit margin. Like <laughs> I'm buying now to sell later. And I'm like, all right, I guess that's better. But cause yeah, I, I think I'm probably with Alan and thinking there, like I don't think I'd get a ton of profit right now selling on Florida, but yeah, I think I'm also probably in the sell department just because I don't tr- the, the buy was based on Anthony Richardson of having this masterful year and the rest of it. Yeah, there are flaws. There's, it's just a team that's like you said, it's going to have great weeks. It's going to have off ones. So if I'm no longer buying on the Anthony Richardson hype train, like what is the bedrock of this team that's getting you to, I don't know, eight, nine wins. So mm-hmm. I'm selling not, and they're still probably going to win one or two huge upsets because he can go off. But yeah, I think I'm selling just because I don't trust him. Like this week, it's like, say your only real hope is a shootout, right? But if it's a shootout, that's the game I don't trust Anthony Richardson. Yeah. That's probably the game he's trying to do too much, right? Or it's the game he has more possessions to turn it over. So I'm not like an Anthony Richardson hater, but I think it's time to sell. Yeah. I'm selling because I-, I worry that this version of Anthony Richardson, the book seems to maybe be out on him, mm-hmm. which is if you don't let him run, if you contain him, yeah. 
which can be done if USF can do it. Just about anybody can do it. Yeah. Uh, if you hope, and in the last two weeks, he's been a sub fifty percent completion passer. That is, you can't win games like that. I, I'm I'm not even sure that I buy the upside at this point. I, yeah. I I don't know exactly. I'd have to go back and really look at what Utah was doing on how they lost contain, and that you ran a lot more called runs against Utah. Um, I'm not sure, you know, that's where I'm wondering where you're, maybe you're right about the injury, the, the, the game plan and how to use him seems completely different um, uh, than what they were. If you're asking him to throw the ball 35 times a game, regardless of game flow, to me, that is not what you need to be doing with Anthony Richardson. So I'm selling because I, I, I fear the book is out on them and defensively they can rush the passer. They can do some things, but I'm, I, I, I'm not sure that defense is good enough to not have to have 30 points to win some, some ball games. And, and uh, uh, they, they make me nervous. So I'm selling my Florida stock uh, coming in at Tennessee, Alan, this week. What are you, what are you doing with the balls? Uh, you know, I thought this, this program was going to need like a two year rebuild. Okay. Most people did. School, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, it's astonishing. And, and I don't know whether that's smoke and mirrors or whether they're overperforming or whether they just had more talent left over than, than anybody gave them credit for. Um, I'm not a believer in Kentucky. And I, I think all these buys and sells have to be related to who's on the schedule, right? And I, I think Tennessee's uh, better than Kentucky. Um, nobody's catching Georgia in this division. Uh, you know, South Carolina is, is eh. Uh, so I'm, I'm buying on the Vols, and I, the reason I like them this week is, you know, they can they can nickel dime you all the way down the field, and and find ways. And, and Florida's given up 48 percent of third down conversions, and they played one one good offensive team in three weeks. Kentucky's not a good offensive team. USF is, you know, very uh, mediocre, and Utah could get it done. 48 percent conversions at home, uh, you know, against that Florida defense. So. I, Man, Tennessee may go for it seven times on fourth down this week and just keep the sticks moving and say, I dare you to stop us. And so I'm buying on the balls. I'm going to hold the balls because I don't think there's a scenario which this team falls off a cliff and goes and wins, you know, five or six games. I don't think that. But I do think there's a world in which the balls really ascend and become. And by the end of the season, we're saying, yes, Tennessee is one of the 10 best teams in the country. I don't know that I'm all in on that yet. But that scenario to me is not far-fetched at all. This is a really talented team. It's a really experienced team. Florida will tell us a lot. I think they have a real shot to, to nab Alabama at home. Um, so for that reason, because of the upside and because I don't think that there's a, a negative to hold it, I think Tennessee's one of the 15 best teams in the country right now. I think they can prove that they're better. I'm holding the Vols. I like the upside on the Vols, but we need to see it because they haven't really done anything yet. Pitt is – I think Pitt was a good win, but it's still kind of an overrated team. Yeah. Um, and so good value on the Vols. I'm holding them right now. Yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I think I'm holding just because I was close to buying. I actually had buy written down, but there's a little bit of I want to see it against SEC competition. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I think they probably handle Florida here, those next two, like LSU's not a great team by any means, but defensively, I want to see, I just want to see Tennessee against that LSU defense. I really want to see it against Bama and that pass rush. So it's like, I can't, obviously, I can't hold forever, but I think I'm a little bit of, <laughs> I want to see it a little bit more just because. The pit game did prove something to me because it proved they can take a punch in the face, play an yeah. ugly Pat Narduzzi game, and, and win it. They gained a lot of points there, but it's just uh, I want to see it against the SEC. And getting down 10 nothing too, where they're driving down, I think people really overlook. 
That's a lot yeah. of mental toughness with a team. I think a lot of that breaks a lot of teams. I am uh, in on Hendon Hooker. I will say yes. that. I, I was a well, little Alan, waiting. It's going to be a heck of a weekend up here in Knoxville. Uh, it is going to be an absolute powder keg. I The only time I've really been in a game at Neyland where the crowd was like amped was 2018 Florida, and they were losing like 28 nothing after the first quarter. Yeah. I did not. I was at Georgia-Kentucky last year. When the when the Ole Miss uh, Ole Miss game was here, so that was pretty good. Didn't end great uh, in terms of atmosphere, uh, but uh, that one seemed like a special. I think this might be next level. Now the the hunger to really just deliver a two by four to the face to Florida is off the charts in Tennessee, and so. But the the nerve that they might swing and miss and hit themselves <laughs> in the back of the head with a two by four is looming as well. It's going to be a either a nightmare or a night of catharsis for Tennessee fans. So either way, that's a compelling watch. And uh, I'll be there. Alan, you will be there as well. I'm excited for it. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, uh, Brody so. and I will get, get to the rest of the SEC. Uh, Alan, I'll see you this weekend, buddy. Awesome, guys. Y'all enjoy the show, man. See you this weekend. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Brody, what's up? We we got we have to we have to we have to do it. We have to have the Mississippi State conversation right now. <laughs> I think it's the important thing of this show to acknowledge. As much as I've been gloating the first like three weeks of the season about all the things I said, right? Yeah, we got to take it. We got to put egg on our face sometimes, man. Here, here, here's where I'm at with with Mississippi State. I still think they're pretty good. Uh, I I don't know what happened. So we're not putting the egg on our face, actually. <laughs> well. I just think it's a long season, and yeah. and I think we've seen that. We 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 talk about Florida. I think you can overreact with one game. I don't know that going into Death Valley and losing to a even though I think this LSU team is kind of average. I don't know that that's an indictment of a team. I think it's a tough place to win. I still think Mississippi is going to beat some really good teams this year. And I I the one thing that's that's setting off every alarm bell in my head is how you go up thirteen nothing late in the first half, and then you get outscored thirty one three to an LSU yeah. team that has not had a lot of life offensively and their strategy in the four in the second half seemed to be it's third and six they're throwing it to neighbors and they couldn't stop it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, or Hey, uh, Daniels is looking to run first before he's looking to throw half the time and they, they couldn't stop it. It seemed relatively predictable and they still couldn't. Um, but let's get into the Mississippi state stock overall for that reason. I'm still holding. I'm still holding. Oh yeah. 
I think it they they hadn't really. Uh, I think the upside is still there for Mississippi State. They hadn't exactly, uh, you know, ascended into the top twenty, top fifteen yet. Them being underrated is actually good because we're not missing out on any of that uh, any of that precious precious stock profit. So I'm holding on the boys. I think they're still a really good team. I think that they're going to win a bunch of games this year. I don't know that they're going to crash the top ten like they like I thought they might, but I still think this is a really good team and and might push to be that second team, second best team in the West. I don't think you can totally rule that out yet. I think you look at them, they match up well with AM. They match up decently well with Arkansas. We'll see what Arkansas can do. I'm holding the Bulldogs despite a humbling performance in which I thought they were going to smack LSU. And early on, it looked like they were going to control that game. And, and we didn't see that. We saw just the opposite. Yeah. It's like I, I'm selling in the sense of the upside. We, You and I were kind of getting on the like, man, they really could be a top 10-ish team. And, and we're, I'm probably off on that. But I'm with you. I'm also going to hold. Because the entire thing we actually loved about them was the depth, the veterans, all that stuff. And to your point, it's a long season. That's like we're talking, we just talked about Florida at length with Allen. Like, that's the stuff that makes the difference weeks five through 10, you know, where it's like mm-hmm. they're going to hold up. They're not going to be a roller coaster week to week, I think. So I, I, I'm, I'm holding because one, like you said, you're not getting value selling here. But two, it's like LSU's offense isn't great, but still, I'm trying to figure out do we place more value on the fact that they completely shut LSU's offense out for about three quarters? Like that. Do we put more on that or more on the, the the fourth quarter three straight touchdown drives? I don't know the answer to that. I actually – I really don't. But they did control the line of scrimmage for the most part. Oh, so you couldn't run it. They made life difficult for Jane Daniels. Like, I don't come away unimpressed with that defense. I think just some stuff happens. And offensively, probably a little more concerned with the offense than I am the defense. Yes. LSU does have a good defense. You know, you come away from that game being like, LSU is a genuinely very good defense. And they matched up well. LSU's D-line played fantastic. I don't – but they were able to confuse them so easily. They were able to disrupt them. Matt House was able to disguise things and just really make life – like Will Rogers couldn't figure out what to do a lot of the time. So that's my concern. That's why we're selling on the upside a little. Just like I'm no longer convinced Will Rogers can be the face of some great team. But I'm holding because, yeah, I still think they win eight football games this year. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, what are we doing with LSU? Because I <sighs> – I, I did not come away thinking, oh, LSU is world beaters now. I've seen enough from them to know this is a very limited, flawed uh, offense in general. I think the defense is good, but the depth is still – it's a long season. It's September 19th right now. What is it going to look like on Halloween? And you go down to the back half, that back third of the season, where you got to have depth. And I, I'm, you've already lost Mason Smith. We still don't know what's going on with Keishawn Booty. I, I yeah. still, I, I don't know what's happening there. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very nervous. I'm going to hold on LSU right now with a lean towards sell. Uh, I, I just am not. I'm not seeing enough. I like the defense, like you said. But the depth makes me nervous, and the offense. I think the offense could still have a couple like ten point nightmare games left in them um, yeah. because they just. I don't think they're as consistent as you'd like to see, and and as uh, uh, balanced. And it's it, they leave they leave a lot to be desired. I would say. Absolutely. I mean, and it's like. I'm I'm buying just to, to start because of what we sold. You know, I'm buying some back because we sold so hard two weeks ago. I'm buying in part because I come away from this game just thinking, 
LSU actually has a really good defense. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I think there's probably an argument. It's what, I don't know, the third in the SEC, just the way they're looking right now. You th- we th- I thought secondary would be a major issue. And and those guys that, like, were the depth pieces that were supposed to be bad, like, you know, like, oh, God, they're playing a McNeese guy. No, played two good offenses, and he looked really good. Or, like, the, the secondary looks pretty solid to me. The D-line, even without Mason Smith, is talented enough to still control really good offensive lines. I, I think I come away thinking that defense will give people problems pretty much all season. Like BJ Ojolari, you leave that game. We knew he was a first round prospect, but it was like, you know how that goes. A guy's talent, but he hasn't like shown he's the guy yet. And it's like, oh, BJ Ojolari is a top 15 pick. Like he is a star. So I like that defense. Offensively, yeah. I mean, they are what they are. I'm not buying, like, I'm not gonna buy a ton. Like, they are not efficient. They still haven't proven they can really run the ball. Granted, played two really good D-lines, so maybe we'll see better. I don't know. But Jane Daniels just had – he is what he is. It's a roller coaster. It's going to be – he doesn't see downfield. He doesn't keep his eyes open. He missed – he didn't see wide open guys throughout much of that first half, and it was infuriating for a lot of people. But then you also are like, that's two big games in a row where in the second half he kind of something clicks to go more up-tempo – and he did lead that 99-yard touchdown drive against Florida State. He did come up, like, after starting 0 of 8 on third down against Mississippi State, converted six of the next seven third downs in the clutch and a huge fourth down the neighbors that you mentioned. Like, it's there's something there where there's, like, a figure out a way to win things. So I'm buying in terms of a week you I'm, like, six wins. And now I'm, like, yeah, seven or eight. So I'll buy back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alabama is next on our list. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Alabama stock is never going to be higher than it is right now. I'm selling all of my Alabama stock currently. Uh, you're not I, you're not going to profit off of this team. I, I don't buy this as a team that's going to win the national championship. Uh, good team, one of the best teams, yes. But when they start matching up with those elite teams, when they have to play Georgia, if they get to the playoff, which I'm going to say is still an if, um, yeah. if they keep going on the road. I mean, the idea that Bama could – could lose a couple games this year and fall short of the playoff is not far-fetched at all. Um, they've been tested one time. We thought Utah State was better than they were because of what no. they did last year. Utah State might be just bad. bad. So that doesn't tell you anything. Monroe doesn't say anything. The one test against a Texas team that I don't think is great. I think they're a seven-win team probably. Yeah. Um, anyway, they're sitting there, and I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I, I, there's no upside with Alabama. They are – uh, what's a good example? Uh, they're Walmart stock right now. <laughs> a, a great situation. You've probably yes. made a lot of money on them, but you look around and you're saying, I don't know that there's a growth potential there. So I'm getting out of the Alabama business. I'm cashing in all of my Alabama stock. Uh, and, and that's, that's where I'm at on the tide. Yeah, I guess it, my answer depends on like how into the weeds we want to get on like stock and like, should I be buying? But yeah, I'm still – I love this take for you, by the way. I love this zig. <laughs> not zig, but, like, Bama is going to lose to Tennessee. I love this for you because – I'm just saying, if this team, goes on, this team is so vulnerable when they go on the road, and I also think when they hit some offense, because I don't think this is a Bama team. I said it before the yeah. season. I thought the defense was going to be really good. I thought they'd be able to grind teams out, yeah. um, kind of like we saw them do against Cincinnati, like they did against Ole Miss last year. I thought that was this Bama team was going to look a lot more – like the 2011, 2012 teams that were just going to suffocate you and then run the ball and you're going to run 45 plays against them and you better hope you make a lot of points. You better hope you score a lot of points. But I I really think this is a team that I just don't think is going to be able to score and I don't think that they're going to be able to slow down. Like, Do you think when they start playing, 
uh, you know, Ole Miss or, or, or obviously Tennessee or some of these big-time offenses. Obviously, if they see Georgia at the end, those teams are going to be able to score 30 on Alabama. I'm not sure that, that Bama is just going to be able to put up a ton of points. Bryce Young is special. I think he can carry you a lot of, a long way. But, man, I, I just – you know, I wrote about it last week. When teams show you who they are and they showed us against Texas, Texas I don't think is a great team at all. Uh, this, is a, this is a team that I think could have some, some, some issues this year. But my question then is how, like, and this is a debate we could spend hours on, but it's this exhausting thing of how much do we overreact to week two? Like, is week two Bama who they're going to be week 12? And I just try not to, like, I try very hard to remind myself, and it's so hard to do. Like, at the end of the day, like, it's week two. Nobody's really who they are yet. No one's fluid. And you beat a power five, top 15 talent-wise team. On the road, you know, like I just try to keep a little perspective of like they didn't like it's not some embarrassment. They beat a decent Texas team. Well, I and think I have the, questions. The point yeah. of it is not so much that it's an embarrassment, but that it, for most, so let's say since Lane got to Tennessee or yeah. got to got to uh, uh, Alabama, which what was that sixteen? I forget. It's basically when they had Jerry Judy running around. Uh, I forget the year. Basically, whenever they started running this this yes. uh, up tempo, started being explosive. The the uh, is this what we want football to be? Bama teams yeah. for that like three year stretch, they were beating everybody by thirty. It was not even close. Last year, we saw them sort of miraculously escape pretty much every game except A and M, uh, which was even as confusing in retrospect as it was at the time that it happened. Um, and I, 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 there's you can only get so fortunate for so long. I think Bama's definitely going to drop a game this year. Yeah. And just mathematically, when you're in that many games, you can't escape every single time. You know, they needed a miraculous drive, including the crazy like they had like Texas had Bryce Young dead to rights on that play, and he ducks under the tackle and makes an incredible play uh, to get them down there. Also, you know, Texas probably could have managed the clock a little bit better uh, on their own drive, but. Ultimately, uh, I think you look at this team and you say they're going to play a bunch of close games. This is not a team that's going to blow everybody away. There's not two or three games that they could lose on this schedule. There's a lot more. And I think just mathematically, when you're in that many close games, you can drop a couple, especially when you go on the road to some good teams. I think that and they have like second a class. Week, yeah, they have like a six-week yeah, stretch there where it's just like every week's tough. Yeah. That second class of the SEC, the Tennessees, the Mississippi States, the Texas A&M's, all those teams – you know, they're really good teams, and that's that's where I think Bama is going to have some issues. You look at what George is doing, leaving no doubt every time on the field. Bama's not doing that. Bama is yeah. not doing that. Um, and so we'll see. I'm selling my stock, though. I'm buying just <laughs> – I'm buying in the sense that I feel like after Texas, their stock dipped. So like, is in like – so we're, we're, we're in similar boats, but, like, I think we're almost just viewing it differently. Like, I feel like their stock dipped a little, and I'm like, they're still Bama. They still have – the quarterback by far I trust the most in a fourth quarter in the country, and it's not even close right now. I'd probably I, agree with you there. Yeah, like their defense is – I guess I've – I'm trying – also like Quinn Ewers was able to pick apart the secondary. Can everyone pick apart that secondary? I'm just trying to keep perspective of like the 15-year picture versus the what I'm thinking right now picture. I still really like them talent-wise. They are – as I talked last week, like they are one of the only teams that I genuinely think will just get better. Like I trust Nick Saban will get a team better. So, yeah, I think they're probably the second-best team in the country right now. So, by that mentality, I'm buying. Mm -hmm. Well, let's get to uh, South Carolina, yeah. where Shane Beamer has to apparently answer questions after the season if there's a if there's give-up on his team. <sighs> Listen, 
Georgia's breaking people this year. I'm sorry. Like Georgia is going to just steal, like just breaking people's spirits every week. I don't think you can tell anything about a team this year by what they do against Georgia. Same thing. Arkansas last year, Arkansas is a really good team. Georgia embarrassed them. Uh, I'm buying very low on South Carolina. I think South Carolina is going to be fine. I think they'd be fine. They look pretty good against a, a good Georgia state team. I say good. I mean, they're not a walkover. That's a, no, that's they're a, a tough team. That, they're that's a team that's, that's given teams some yeah. problems. They didn't play well. They rally against Arkansas, but Arkansas is a really good team. And then Georgia is kind of whatever. It seems like everybody's kind of out on South Carolina. I'm buying low on them. They, they upgraded talent. They're going to win some games this year as the, as the, uh, the schedule lightens up. I think it's still a bowl team. I'm buying low on South Carolina right now. I love that. Yeah. I don't, I don't have like a strong opinion on it necessarily. I think I'm probably with you in the sense that I think they are better than they look right now. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think they're bad. It's more just like, I don't see, I think Shane Beamer's in the right direction. The same, I just don't see where, like where the wins are necessarily. Like, I don't think you beat Kentucky or Texas A&M, you know, I guess you, you probably, you maybe you beat Missouri, but like, I don't know. I just don't really see the wins right now. And it's not really that much more complicated than that. Like, I don't know if I see a bowl, but I'm not, I have no strong argument against your take. They're, they're not <laughs> a bad team. Uh, we, we discussed Tennessee where I think we're both holding and waiting. Yes. Uh, it, it, Arkansas fun story, fun team. I got to sell all my Arkansas stock. right? No, I like this team, but I just, this Arkansas is Arkansas is not one of the ten best teams in the country. I'm sorry, they're just not. They're a good team. the The, the Arkansas stock is never going to be higher than it is right now. But did you uh, and I were at, when we were buying? Did you and I ever genuinely think they were a top ten team? No, but you hold on to that Arkansas stock, and now's the time to cash it in. Because okay, I respect that. Okay. Stormy, stormy waters are coming. Arkansas, they're going to lose some games. They're just not as good as all the other teams. Uh, that they're going to be, be playing. They're going to drop a couple games. Arkansas is a really good team. They're really physical. They're a tough yeah. out. They're not one of the 10 best teams in the country. But right now, their stock says they are. I'm selling high on the Hogs. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I love that because I do think they probably lose this week. So, like, if we were playing this game every single week, <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'd probably sell right now and buy next week. You know what I mean? Like, yes. because I think it would dip, and then, but we're not going to do that. I'm probably still... I think I'm going to say hold. I still like them just because, yes, I think they might lose this week. But I'm not going to overreact to the Missouri State game because, yeah, one, that was a weird football game. Like there was fumbles at the one-yard line, a lot of just kind of like sloppy mistakes. I didn't come away from that game being like on a general sustainability way like Arkansas has major issues or anything like that. And their schedule is just brutal. Like as much as we all made up the not made up, but like push the they're going to try to demolish Petrino, all that. Sam Pittman doesn't have like he wasn't on that staff or something. It's not like he's like yeah. I don't I think Sam re- Pittman has a lot of emotional attachment to Bobby Petrino. I think that was just another game for him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And considering their schedule is so hard, and you have like A and M in a week and another tough game after that, it's like it's just a game, man. I don't care. So I don't think I'm overreacting to that game. I still think they're a team that's going to be able to run the ball against most teams, probably not AM this week, which we'll get to, but mm-hmm. I still like them. I do have, like, I will say I come away from the game questions of the defense, things like that, but I still see them as an eight, nine win team that, you know, should be in that top 15, 20 zone in the country. So I'm, I'm holding. Yeah. They were getting pushed around a little bit up front that I yeah. uh, concerning concerning. Now, part of that is, you know, are you a little tired? Mm-hmm. You had Cincinnati, you had South Carolina, not a lot of teams were playing that tough a schedule early on. 
Um, but it doesn't get much easier. Uh, but I'm going to judge them more. To I mean, I know you're agreeing with me, but like I'm going to judge them more by how they played when they had to get up than when. Like, yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Kentucky, I'm I'm holding my Kentucky side. I don't know what to make of the Wildcats. We've seen a lot of shakiness from them. Uh, I don't really know what to what to make of them. Some ugly halves. Uh, Florida going to the swamp. There's that's never a bad win. But that Florida win, fair or not, is, less is devalued a little bit now. Yeah. It's kind of like, ah, I don't know. I think the upside is huge on Kentucky. I, I think they can, you know, that, that Tennessee game will be massive. I think they still have a great case as the second-best team in the East. I would go Tennessee, but Kentucky will be right there. I, the thing with Kentucky, outside of Georgia, I think they can beat anyone. Yeah. But the list of teams they can lose to, Kentucky seems to play with their food more than any of these other really good SEC teams that we you're see. They home. they get in these weird situations where you're just like, the way that Kentucky is 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 put together, they aren't going to blow teams out of the water like Tennessee can do, where it's you know they're playing Ball State and Akron and it's like sixty to nothing in you know five minutes into the game. They're not really built like that. That's not what they do. But you can be a little bit more resounding. So Kentucky makes me nervous. I think there's a scenario where Kentucky is really disappointing this year where they fall to that like six, seven win range. That's not out of the realm of possibility, but the upside is there. Kentucky makes me nervous. I'm going to hold my Kentucky stock for now and we'll, we'll see what the Wildcats give us. Yeah, I'm still buying. I mean, you know, I love them. I, I, I won't repeat myself too many times, but I just don't want to like, they're a team that's never going to, they're a team that can make a game what they want it to be. And I'm never going to mm-hmm. judge them by not blowing teams out. And, you know, like, I, I mean, I, Alan, you know, Alan thinks Tennessee's much better. And I don't, I don't like think that's a terrible take or anything. But I think Kentucky is the kind of team that's made to give Tennessee a hard time and win that game. Or they're made to, to make life tough for, I don't know, maybe not Georgia, but they're made, I think they beat Ole Miss in two weeks convincingly. So I, I still am all in on them. I, I've, uh, our producer John Hayes will like this. I don't know how many of our listeners will care, but I'm a big Premier League soccer fan, and and you're gonna like Kentucky football is Brighton for me. Uh, they mm-hmm. are the team that <laughs> like they're not a good favorite. They're just not gonna be a good favorite. But in as a dog, they are the team I want more than anybody in the world. They're a team that is gonna take care of business, not gonna mess up. Well, they play with their food a little, but they might not take advantage of their chances to be great, but they're a team that I trust in the margins and all that to just always be a pain. So I, I'm mm-hmm. still, I'm still buying on Kentucky on the Aggies. I'm going to buy low right now. Uh, yeah. Here's my case for the Aggies. It can't get worse, right? <laughs> it, yeah. can't, it cannot be worse. Like I think what we've seen from the A&M so far this season is as bad as they can be. <sighs> And I, I, you know, it, 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 they're going to have a tough schedule. That's life in the West. It is what it is. Arkansas will be tough this weekend. I was surprised to see they were favored in that ball game. Yeah. But the talent is there. I, I'm going to buy low on them right now. I think, you know, everyone sold all of their A&M can challenge Bama and go to the playoff stock. Now we're sitting there. We had Andy mm-hmm. writing a column last week about A&M could go one and five. And, <laughs> and that was realistic. Absolutely. But – there's a lot of there's a lot of people selling a And M down the river. This is the same old Aggies. You know they're they're going to be disappointing again. I'm going to buy low on the Aggies right here. Yep. I think they have a lot of upside. There's not a lot of teams that are sitting there barely in the top 25 that have as much talent as them. Offensively, again, it can't be worse. It cannot be worse. Um, so I, 
nervously i will i will i will purchase some aggie stock right now <laughs> no i love it man i i was on hold but like because i have the same thought process i'm actually gonna buy with you i'm gonna buy some a&m stock because yeah it's like we're we sold because they're not a title team like they're just not they're not a top six team we know that but they are still a team that I mean, is bad. The offense is as bad as we've been talking about, right? Like, like Miami made life hell for them. If anything, I actually feel even worse about the offense than I did after the App State game. But that defense is legit. I yeah. love a chain. Like, th- they they have things they can do. They still should beat most teams. They still should. It's going to be ugly. They're no world a playoff team. Like, so they're not ever. People now are just going to hate on them because they're not what they hoped they were. But they still should take care of business in most games. I think they beat Arkansas this week because they are they are just a bad matchup for Arkansas, right? Like, yeah. the one thing I trust Arkansas to do is control line of scrimmage, run the ball, and, like, win a 28-20 game. And A&M might be able to take that away. So I'm going to buy with you, my guy. Yeah, uh, the, uh, I did like Dan Mullen in the studio this week. He referenced oh. Devin Achain like eight times. It was it was brutal. It was okay, brutal. So- What's the right? Because it's a chain. It's Devin it's a chain. Okay, I said a chain there. Okay. Well, he he was he was dropping and he said Devin. He said a chain like six times in like three minutes. Dude, segment. it was driving me crazy. I it's like, not a hard <laughs> name, but it's not natural to like pronounce. Like it's just not natural to say that name like yeah. in the flow. So I I've been messing it up, man. I'll acknowledge it. Fair enough. Auburn. Uh, <laughs> we don't even stock is them. on fire. This stock <laughs> is on fire. <laughs> Listen, whatever, whatever. Value I'm buying. I'm just had, kidding. I, no, I'm not buying. I just don't. I just don't see the upside with this team. Offensively, yeah. they're a mess. Um, you just you look at them, and you just you see Tank Bigsby, and you see uh, Darkwitz Hunter, and it just kind of makes you sad at what <laughs> at what is being done to to use them. I wrote about them today yeah. against Penn State. Uh, Bigsby and Hunter averaged 0.33 yards per carry before contact on the season, which they haven't played a lot of tough competition this year. 1.41 yards per contact. That is 90th nationally. Holy crap. Yeah. They're too, like, they just aren't creative about how they get these guys. They're just running them off tackle, running a lead play. Like, they're, they need more creativity. You have two huge talents. I've talked to coaches in this league that believe that Tank Bigsby is the best player in the yep. league. And it doesn't look like it. It's not his fault. The O line is not good. Defensively, they got absolutely demolished by a Penn State offense that is not a world beater. Noah Singleton gives them a real upgrade. There is some explosiveness in the running game that we haven't seen from Penn State since the Saquon days. But man, uh, I'm selling whatever Cohen and digging up all my bonds from the 2003 undefeated season, and I'm getting every ounce of Auburn stock that I have and getting rid of it because. I think they're in some real trouble. You see, even big picture, Tennessee has risen. Auburn most likely going to be entering the uh, the coaching carousel this weekend. I mean, this uh, not this weekend. I'm not breaking any well, news there. Yeah, 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 maybe this weekend. But uh, entering the coaching carousel this season, uh, Brian Harson's AD, Alan Green has already left. The boosters are sort of sharpening their knives and, and getting their pitchforks nice or their their torches nice and soaked in some. Uh, what do you fuel a pitchfork with? Just pure oil? I would love. Yeah, I was gonna say I would love to know the actual process there. Like, yeah. or maybe do you put like a little like you know kindling on the top and then just light? I don't know, man. The Aggies have torches when they go to yell practice uh, every time. I will say because what's on fire when a 
want to like what is it's the like thing a that's rag funny? i think it's a rag okay it's a, a rag that makes i will sense. say though okay. walking through college campuses with torches has gone out of style in the recent years so generally it's, that's i'm trying to think upon. what could have done that yeah <laughs> generally that's frowned upon we'll let the aggies like the, the aggies are grandfathered in because of yellow bags. that's tiki but either torches, way but yeah. yeah uh so the so i just man it's Auburn, they got you know the, the, the portal losses this offseason were relatively obvious. They came out of net negative there. They got some issues. So, yeah, I mean, it's just not there for Auburn this year. I, I thought this was a team that had a real chance to have the bottom drop out. I just don't see the upside. And the, and the stock is low right now. I suspect it may get lower. The, the West is tough. The schedule's tough. Yeah. It, it, I don't see the upside. You know what? Should I just have some fun and just buy? Just go like make make this my strongest character trait is that I'm just like you guys don't get it. Harson has them right where he wants them. No, uh, but the funny thing is I do think they beat Missouri this weekend. So like in a weird way you could buy, but no man, there's a real chance they beat Missouri this weekend and then lose eight straight. Like that's not because by the way their second to last game is Western Kentucky, who is good and also probably like an off that up tempo offense could like could make life hard. So eight straight losses is not crazy for Auburn. So yeah, man, sell it mm-hmm. off. Ole Miss, I think we're in agreement here. I don't know what to make of them. Really impressive. Georgia Tech is not very good. Um, but they absolutely demolished them. I I'm a hold with a with an eye toward buying. I'm hovering over the buy button yeah. with, with Ole Miss. I was I I wasn't as down on them before the season as you were. Yeah. I had a lot of concerns because you're mishmashing a lot of stuff. Uh, in one's place you're you know you don't really know what you got with Jackson Dart that quarterback situation is still weird I like Zach Evans on the field but there's a lot of issues there again just google Zach Evans <laughs> you can see it. it's listen if if he just randomly you, you just don't see him on the field anymore I can't say that would be shocking he seems to be doing really well right now I think he's second in the SEC in rushing right now Ooh. in terms of talent I'm not surprised at all uh, he's an incredible player talent. um so I just don't know what to make of Ole Miss. We haven't seen them really be tested. I, I think we will uh, very, very soon. Uh, what is the? I need to look up the Rebs schedule right now. I have it up uh, right now. They got Tulsa we next got? week. I mean, this week. Okay, so we still yeah, don't know a, anything about them this week. Tulsa exactly. can score, but if they can slow them down, we'll then see. you are home against Kentucky. So that's the first real test. That's in two weeks. That's a really good test because it's going to basically. It's Ole Miss is a team built on the run right now, and it's built mm-hmm. on. You know, and, and then Vanderbilt on the road still has a win. You're still not really learning much. Home against Auburn could be an interesting, weird match, but still, like, not really learning much. But then it becomes LSU, AM, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State. So it's like, it's a weird year where they might be six and one and finish seven and five. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, go on. The one, the one thing that makes me want to buy on this team is. Everybody talks about Lane Kiffin. Everybody talks about the offense. What if I told you that Ole Miss right now is tied with Iowa in scoring defense? Oof. I'd say it's misleading. <laughs> I'd say it's misleading. Probably misleading, but you can only do so much. And one of those was against Troy, who almost beat App State Absolutely. in App State this weekend. Um, so, you know, they haven't played anybody yet uh, that, that really, you know, impresses you. But good teams, when they play teams that aren't great, leave no doubt. And we've seen that. So Ole Miss... I'm a hold with a lean toward buying. I think Ole Miss really might be better than we think um, this year. Uh, Mizzou. Wait, I haven't given my Ole Miss yet. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I I think, yeah, first off, you're right. It's just we can't have any opinion either way. The entire scouting report 
like on this team going in was they were going to have a very good run game and they were going to be a team that can kind of just take care of business a little with their run game. And if they have a lead, they can control and take it away. And that's exactly what they're designed to do against a Troy, a Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech. Mm -hmm. Neither of those teams are offenses that are actually going to challenge you the other way. So like you just can't have any opinion on them yet. So it's like, I'm yeah, I'm with you that I'm I'm impressed that they're taking care of business, but they are a team that is designed to do that. And we're not going to find out what they actually are until like they have to rely on Jackson Dart, who I am not impressed with, or the defense get tested in a real way. And by the way, I'm Mm -hmm. not out on those things. They might be fine, but yeah, you just cannot buy right now because you genuinely haven't seen it. I still am kind of where I was. I don't think they're very good. They still might win seven games because of this week schedule alone, but I, I'm, I'm a holding where I am right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on with Mizzou, Brody. Uh, I don't, I, I thought they'd be better than this. Uh, Did you? They I, didn't really, know I didn't think they'd be great, but I didn't think they'd get run off the field by K state. Yeah. They really didn't look great this weekend. Uh, I think it's Abilene Christian. I believe as they played kind of messing around early on there's some talent there i i this year i'm selling just because i think the east is so tough and i don't know that this looks like a bowl team to me the you know they they swung and missed on quarterbacks over and over all offseason they're rolling with brody with brady cook who has not been fantastic uh so far this season Uh, so you know i uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell just because I don't see the upside with with Mizzou. They have not looked really good, um, and that's pretty much just that simple. I think the way that that Eli Drinkwitz is recruiting, <clears throat> big picture, I think we'll still see. I would be a big picture hold yeah. on them, but this season I, I don't quite see it with the Tigers. Um, yeah, the K State game, man, uh, you can't have me more red flags. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i i'm not i won't waste our listeners time i'm with you i'm selling i'm not like out on drink wits or anything but this just isn't a very good team this year and i don't see any upside mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna i'm gonna buy low on vanderbilt but, but how because they there's they have three wins like they've done it because i think they're gonna i think vandy is gonna beat someone that they should have <gasps> beat in sec play i, I think they're it. gonna they're gonna ruin someone's season because this is not a dreadful Vandy team. I think they that can they fair. can score. They can do some things where they've just been kind of the last three years, man, they've been really hopeless. Uh, I was looking at their numbers. They have not been in outside of the top or outside inside of the top 110th. Uh, or they haven't been higher than 114th in offensive efficiency since Kyle Shermer left wow. uh, this year. Uh, let me find that number this year. Vandy is. I wrote about it this morning. They're 79th in SP plus offense, which is 79th in SP plus offense, yes. Uh, But they are 35th nationally in yards per play right now. Ooh. Yes. That's feisty. Uh, That's feisty. Basically, basically I think Vandy is going to ruin somebody's season because they don't want to lose to this Vandy team that's better than people think. And I think they might be in some games too. So I'm going to buy low on Vandy because I think they can be competitive more often than not this season. I liked when you looked at what they did in the back half of last season, you wonder if it was going to continue on to this year. And I think it did. And the fact that you've already switched quarterbacks and you still are seem to be doing fine. You got two quarterbacks that you can win some games with. Uh, Mike Wright was looking like a, an impact player early on. Yeah. They switched AJ Swan rolling with them. Now, basically this seems like a competent offensive scheme, um, which Vanderbilt did not, did not have uh, under Derek. They have threats. So, so when's the last time they, have they do, yeah. they do. And so uh, props to them on that front. Uh, we will see uh, where they're at. Where, where, where are you at on Vandy? You're out. You're all the way out. 
I love it. No, I love this take. About I'm just I'm actually taking <laughs> a page more out of your book of like they're three and one. They've actually I believe they've already hit their season win total. Yes, over, they did. They did. Right, they that's did. awesome. Like, and hey, man, they put up like you know they didn't get like run out by Wake Forest or anything like that. Like I don't think they're a joke, and I love that because I do think it's not inconceivable that they can actually be more competitive this year. But I'm selling just because they ha- they're three and one. That's misleading. At the end of the day they most likely lose every SEC game. So it would have been interesting to see them against a wake without Sam Hartman. And we'd be sitting here talking about a four and O Vandy. Now I would have sold on four and O Vandy because at that point it would have been a little much. (laughs) But we're really missing out because this is the year of the bass, like the, the non-football, like Kansas, Indiana, Maryland, all these schools are winning now. And it's like, God, we need a four and O Vandy, man. (sighs) Send me to Nashville for a massive opus on how they're changing the program. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing, Brody. Georgia, we got to get to. I'm going to buy Georgia stock. It's Amazon. It's Apple. It's very expensive right now. And I still think it's probably got some upside. I think this team looks unbelievable. They might have a close call or two where you kind of come out flat. But defensively, this is still a monster. Getting to 20 against this team seems like just a Herculean task. Uh, And I don't know how many teams are going to be able to do that probably less than a handful, maybe four teams probably will score more than 20 on them this year. Yeah, maybe not even know. that many. And the offense, again, nobody wants to talk about the offense still with Georgia, but they're still really good. And That's what I'm most into. Yeah. Really, like, really efficient. They can do a lot of things. Todd Munkin finding really creative ways to get guys the ball. Brock Bowers picked out right up where he left off. The Eric Gilbert stuff concerning. I he yeah. still haven't had his first career catch, I believe, at at, uh, at Georgia. It seemed like he was doing right. well coming into the season. Then he doesn't travel for personal reasons. Seems to be a little bit kind of similar story that we've heard throughout his career. But you still have Brock Bowers. You still have uh, Darnell Washington. You still have, no matter how anybody wants to discount him, Lad McConkey out yeah, here. Yeah, man. Just putting up numbers week to week. Yep. And then a pretty good running game. You don't have like the game breaker back. You know, you don't have the, the Todd Gurley out there. You don't have the DeAndre Swift, but you got you, you got some you got some guys. Um so McIntosh out there is looking pretty good. I, the running game will be fine. I'm buying on George just because I think the upside is still there. They're the best team, and they might still flex by the time the season's over. Yeah, I'm I'm buying as well. Like they are the number one team in the country, and there's not much else to really say about it. The only question to your point is like was it was two years ago right where Stetson Bennett and the offense were putting up really great numbers and then they played Bama the first time they played like a real good defense and it was like oh that's actually a bad offense you know and and I think that's like the only yeah thing they, I think they got they got stuck in that shootout with Florida and lost yes, and that was when their de- the defense had like eight starters lost or something yes, for the yeah. season and then they couldn't stop anybody so and that was before they had the same kind of depth that 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 you know, Bama has right now. Exactly. Um, so yep. I, I think either can stomach some injuries still. Agreed. Like I, I still, I, I love this offense and I think this offense is great. There's just that little birdie in the back of my mind. That's like with their talent though, maybe this kind of offense, like when they're more talented than somebody, they can just murder them and like truly destroy them. But then like, I just want to see it, you know, against, mm-hmm. but the, you know, we're not going to see it. Like that's the frustrating thing. And that's why you have to buy. I'm going to uh, Kent state, Missouri, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Florida, we just said we're selling on. Tennessee, I like Tennessee, but the defense isn't what's going to like stop Georgia. Uh, Mississippi State's really the first. You could argue Mississippi State, which is the 10th game of the year, is the first one where they're playing like an actually good defense. So, yeah, I'm buying uh, Kentucky's. I'm fascinated by the Kentucky game just to see what that looks like. But at the end of the day, they are the best team until proven otherwise. I'm buying. Yeah. 
I'll be interested to see if if uh, Tennessee can scheme up a couple plays and hit them mm-hmm. hit them for some deep balls and maybe yeah. Tennessee is definitely one of those teams that can get to twenty against them. I, I I'm with you. I don't know that Tennessee can control the line of scrimmage in the same way. I think I think Georgia can keep them off the field yeah. and and really control that ball game. But you win the turnover battle, you hit some big plays. You never know um, in a game like that. But Georgia's really good. So <laughs> class of the country right now. And I wrote this morning. You look at what they've done and how they've rebuilt, and I'm wondering if we're seeing a changing of the guard as Georgia as the new standard bearer in the sport um, ahead of Bama because Bama has not been the st- – and let's listen. Yeah, it's a shot at Bama. Bama's really good. They're still probably the third or fourth best team in the country right now, but they're not – they have the last two years especially, they have not been the standard in the same yeah. way, whereas Georgia has been. Yeah. And it, will, that, will they sustain that? Time will tell. But I don't see any red flags. I don't see any reason for concern. When you can lose five first-round picks off of defense, Brody, and still look like this, that is a testament to your culture. It's a testament to your recruiting. It's a testament to your development. They have looked like they don't – five first-round picks, and they yeah. look just as good. And look what we saw happen at LSU. Like, they lost yes. all the first-round picks, and it's like, no, they couldn't replace it. They're not this, in the – what, what, yeah, what the Georgia's doing though. right now is impossible, and it's the first step in becoming – what Absolutely. Bama has been for a decade because and, it is so hard. So freaking hard. Like no one can do it. I mean, Florida looked like, you know, 10, 15 years ago with Urban. It looked like they were becoming a dynasty, but they really weren't. There were a lot of like infrastructural like things that yeah. were going wrong there. There's so many examples that we th- Clemson looked like they were about to be the next. And by the way, Clemson did have a mini little like they deserve all the credit for that. But still, like there's they're not at the Georgia level, like we thought they were, it's so yeah. hard. And I really do think Georgia is I'm with you. So in your point of like, are, is a changing of the guard? We're not even saying that to be dramatic. It's just like, <clears throat> they are now, they <laughs> are now where Bama is. And at the end of the day, this is Nick Saban's not going anywhere, but he's not going to be there for 10 more years. So yeah, it's fair to say it's probably a bit of a changing of the guard. And I think it's worth noting as well for all of Stetson Bennett's, Stetson Bennett's efficiency and his ability to make plays with his feet. He's not a first-round pick, uh, you know, uh, Heisman caliber yeah. type guy. And the fact that George is doing this without a just complete game-changer at quarterback is even more impressive. They've already won a national championship with him, um, and he can do what they need him to do. He's a really good player, but – I think Georgia will have a better quarterback than Stetson Bennett at some point in the future. So that's where I'm like, okay, all right. That's what's scary. Get loaded up. Yeah. Uh, We're going to start a new tradition this week before we go, Brody, uh, and all of our listeners. Our pick of the week, where we look around the SEC, we say, "This this is where I'm all, this is where I'm putting all of my chips for the week. And Brody, when I look, I'm looking to Dallas, Texas. Sorry. Metroplex people, Arlington, Texas, uh, AT&T Stadium, the artist formerly known as uh, Cowboys Stadium, uh, under 48. That's a big it. number. That's no, a that's- big number for Arkansas, Texas A&M. For one, I think A&M can slow down Arkansas. We've mentioned this. Arkansas, they, last year, they drove Zach Calzada insane by rushing three and dropping eight. He looked like he could not do anything. He had 15 seconds to throw, and half the time it was getting broken up. He just couldn't do anything. We'll see what Max Johnson can do. I think ten, I think uh, Arkansas have a similar schematic approach there. A&M, seven, of their, or seven games since the start of 2021, they've scored 20 points or less. 
I don't think that's changing in this game. And I, Arkansas could get, in theory, to 28. I'm not sure that they will. Uh, so for me, Arkansas A&M under 48, that's a big number. I just Even with Arkansas's pace and the way they want to pick things up, I just think A&M is going to struggle to score. I think A&M can slow them down, slow the running game down. Uh, Arkansas has a ton of issues at corner this year. So that is somewhat of a concern. Yeah. But ultimately, I'm not sure A&M is the team that's going to be able to exploit those. They just don't have the guys uh, on the edge to take advantage of that or the quarterback necessarily to hit them. So I'm taking that under 48. I feel very confident about that as my number one pick on the board. No, that's a perfect pick. Because also, I I honestly didn't know we were all starting over-unders. Fantastic pick. Because (laughs) (laughs) No, because you're right. I mean, like like you're saying, Arkansas has this pace and all that. (coughs) Excuse me. But I don't think they're going to be able to dictate pace. Like they're not going to be able to like – a and yeah. can slow this down. <laughs> They'll slow it down. So, yeah, I, I like that. And for the same reasons, not to stay on the same game, I, I think right now a minus two is probably the one I would go for just because the things – I love this Arkansas team, but sometimes matchups just don't work out. And the things they do well are going to be completely neutralized against this A&M team, I think. And I don't love this Arkansas run defense. I don't love, you know, some of these little things of that team. So I think A&M can at least move the ball in that sense. You know, this it's like – it's that's the fun thing about college football is everything's so contextual and matchup based where it's like I don't think AM has a good offense, but Arkansas's defense is probably one of the few they can actually do stuff against. So yeah, I, I think I like AM minus two here. If I want to zig against uh like I would never well just I'm starting to zig against like not pick the same game. I kind of like Auburn minus seven against Missouri. Like I, I think Auburn's probably seven points better than more than seven points better against Missouri, but we're just all in like sell mode so strong. So yeah, I think that's another fun one. But yeah, I think AM's my pick. It's interesting. I think I don't trust Tennessee fully this weekend, but Tennessee might win this game that's by such a tough number. They might win this game by twenty eight or they might lose it. So yes. like there's not a lot of games like like that. And it's that line is in that like disgusting ten and a half zone yeah. where it's like <laughs> there's no way I'm betting Florida, but I'm not Ten and a half is just so ugly to have. I to think take. we'll know. I think we'll know in the first quarter because Tennessee yes. could be up seventeen nothing, or Florida could be up ten nothing, and and Tennessee will rally, and it'll yeah. be uh, down to the down to the the uh, you know down to the wire game. But Tennessee really could blow them off the field, and I think Absolutely. Tennessee fans, listen, they've been they are so hungry. They've wanted this for so long, and they really have a chance to exercise some demons this weekend uh, against a Florida team that has caused them. So much pain, and I think uh, there, it's going to be a, a quite an atmosphere. This is a question for you because I'm trying to like think of a way I could we could be wrong about this. Is there mm-hmm. any scenario Tennessee is just too up for this? Like this has been built up so much, the crowd, game day, overcoming these demons that they might just like actually overdo it and kind of get tight. Uh, I think it's more of a fan base thing than a team thing. I don't know that this specific team has a lot of scars from Florida. The fan base does. There just haven't been very many times where Tennessee can walk into this game knowing we are the better team and it's not really even a debate. That has not happened very often in this rivalry uh, since the 90s. Um, But it is this year, obviously. Uh, You can't reasonably make a case that Florida is a better team than Tennessee, but I don't know if you've watched college football for a while, Brody, but sometimes the best team doesn't always win. I, this, That's why we love fe- it. One yeah. of the features of the sport. So I, I think Tennessee takes care of business this weekend. I I, I would be careful with that with that line. I would yeah. maybe toss a, a toss a a Florida sprinkle in there if people are are getting feisty. I just don't think because I that. that's that's where the value is. Maybe, but I just don't think this is a uh, this is a game that that's 
it really is going to, I think, either be a Florida or a Tennessee romp or a really close game that Tennessee finds a way somehow to lose. I don't know how they will do that. Yes. On paper, it shouldn't be that way. If but... they do lose, man, that is going to be a dark, dark. Oh, man. I can't even. Can't wait to read your story if they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there. I'm excited. It's going to yeah. be. I, I'm just excited for the atmosphere. Uh, I haven't really seen peak, peak Neyland. Yeah. I saw it for like 10 minutes uh, in like four years ago. So it's going to be fun. Uh, unfortunately, not under the lights. But still going to be a great, yeah, yeah. 3.30, 3.30 kick. But still will be a lot of fun. So, uh, Brody, it's going to be a, a heck of a week in the SEC. Another one, another show in the can. Thank you guys for listening. Again, subscribe to the Andy Staples Show and Friends feed. We are the friends, but Andy's good too. Uh, listen to his show. <laughs> Power Hour with Nicole Auerbach, Chris Vanini on that show. We have uh, Max Olson, our Prince of the Portal, our tech experts, Sam Kahn on the show, Andy and Ari going back and forth. Uh, Andy chugged a whole bottle of mustard last week. Um, I don't know that we'll I don't know that we'll get into feats of uh, of food consumption i feel like i i would not do well with that uh we we need I mean, to make we need to step up our talking about probably and positive food we need to talk about positive food that's true i will say brody i didn't mention this uh a couple weeks ago but brody introduced me to one of the great sandwiches of my life uh yes. when i was down in new orleans for the sugar bowl last year or what was this year earlier this year yeah but the blue oak barbecue spicy chicken sandwich it's a uh, gift I still think about that sandwich from time to time. That's one of the elite tier sandwiches I've ever eaten in my entire life. I knew, I knew when you wanted to go to a barbecue place, you said, but you need to get the spicy chicken sandwich. Like this must be a great sandwich. And indeed it it was. It's like the sauce. First off, it's cooked perfectly. It's like so juicy. It must be like sous vide and then fried or something. Well, they go chicken thigh. They don't go chicken thighs. The move, which, which is crucial. And Andy and I once talked about this because Andy actually wrote about it at one point. Like Andy pointed out that like he thinks they were early on the thigh comeback bandwagon because this was like four years ago and it was mm-hmm. like before thighs you know got hot again. But that sauce man, it's like this weird mix of like kind of a Korean thing going on, kind of barbecue, kind of buffalo. Like I can't There's gotta be really... some gochujang in there somewhere. Right? I feel oh, like. Good call. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> like it, I want to bottle it. It's like the only sauce they don't sell. Like sell every other sauce. But like, God, I love that sandwich so much. I don't. I only let myself get it like every few months because I don't want to die. It's very strong. I do something about that. Sandwich. I think about that sandwich and I think about the uh, the pork belly, watermelon rind, and uh, green onion aioli taco from White Duck Taco, which is like a small regional chain that's not in Knoxville. But every time I go to Charlotte... Wait, is like, there one in Asheville? Yeah, there's one in Asheville. I, I was in Asheville, Asheville for a really week started. and I saw it and I never went. Dude, you should have gone. White Duck is so good. White Duck's really good, but that taco, I literally... I need to send you a picture of this taco. Please do. Basically, yeah. it's a big hunk of pork belly and then they pickle some watermelon rinds to give it a little bit of acid everything I've ever wanted. Yeah. And then they have like a, Tweet a it green with onion, link. green onion aioli to throw a little bit more fat on there. And then that's it. It's a very simple taco, but it's man. I think about it more often than I care to admit. <laughs> no, I'm you really, anytime the, like, I go east, I'm feeling right now. Is there for anytime I go east, I get that taco, man. It is, it is my wife and I went to Charleston um, when I was on leave to kind of get out of the house for a little while and take our, our tiny yeah. uh, baby and dip her in the ocean, which she did enjoy. Nice. But we stopped at Asheville to get that, get specifically that taco. And it, it sent me to a higher plane of existence. It was unbelievable. <laughs> so tweet, tweet uh, a picture with the, with the podcast link. I will have to do that. I will have to do that. Uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Subscribe, thank leave a everyone. comment, all the good stuff. Thank you guys for tuning in. 
Brody and I have to get to some press conferences today. I'm going out to Tennessee yes, today. Do. Brody, you got uh, Brian Kelly. Hope you're not late. You might owe him $10. He might go viral. Uh, <laughs> my goal is to make a this. joke about this every single week now. So. I'm going to try to come up with an even sassier dick, like the that meanest thing I could possibly come up with. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. Uh, don't don't go from don't go to the uh, Costanza route because that will that that will probably get you fired. So yeah, fair, fair. Uh, our Seinfeld fans will get that one. Thank you guys for watching and listening. We'll see you guys again next week, 10 a.m. Monday mornings, YouTube. Check us out on live. Thank you guys.